You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Adrian Tan. Adrian is the co-founder and CEO of BrainMates and an absolute product superstar. There is no better person for me to be discussing the future of product management with. I could talk to Adrian all day about products, so let's dive straight into it. Adrian, can you introduce yourself for us, please? Sure. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name's Adrian Tan. I am the co-founder of a company called BrainMates. Raymates actually started a very long time ago. It started in 2004 when I was a product manager looking to develop my own business. And that business happened to be all about product management. I wanted to professionalize product. I enjoyed it a lot. And I spent a lot of time initially when there was no real depth of understanding of what product was, developing nurturing the product community here in Australia. Fantastic. So Adrian, you've been working in product for around 20 years and as you mentioned, founded BrainMate Product Consulting and Training Company. Describe the state of product management in Australia right now. Well, we're in an unusual time. We're in the middle of a health crisis. So what was once four months ago, a very buoyant product market is now slightly tampered although things are starting to change where you know companies are now realizing that this might be the new normal and require to continue with their product development efforts but over the last 20 years product has changed significantly enormously because I think the first 10 years most people spoke to me about project management Um, And it was a very difficult conversation every time I spoke to someone about product management and trying to explain to someone that we were the folks who spent a lot of time trying to identify customer value and bringing that customer value to life was a very hard concept for organisations and people to understand. Mm -hmm. And I think because there's been such a change proliferation in tech companies, technology is so much part of the fabric of our lives that products are brought to market faster and the people who do all of that are the product managers. You need somebody there to nurture the process, to nurture the thinking and to nurture the product in market. Mm-hmm. And um, with product changing so much, the landscape over the last sort of 20 years and especially the last 10 years, do you think product management is somewhat at the mercy um, of the economy? I personally don't think so. I think there might be a blip at the moment, mm-hmm. but I think they're the very fabric of the economy. I think that if you really extract what product um, managers do, you know, we talk a lot about um, you know, creating products of value, uh, creating delightful experiences. All of that, all of that contributes to the 
economic growth of an of a of a nation, mm-hmm. um, and that that'll still have to continue, irrespective of whether um, the economy is feeling slightly depressed at the moment mm-hmm. or not. Um, in fact, I would argue that you know you'd want to, as an organisation, consider investing more in product than you would trying to um, trying to reduce your cost in product because you're actually stopping the very engine of your business if you remove the investment of product from your business. You're not allowing your business to grow if you don't have product people in there. I mean, we, we you know, when we went into lockdown on the 16th of March, it was a very traumatic time for the whole company. We're a small business, but we had interviewed um, a CPO for our business and he started when we were in lockdown. Now, as a small organisation, we could have said, you know, we're certainly taken uh, a, a huge impact in our revenue and we should postpone the investment of new products that we were considering bringing to market. Mm-hmm. But that would be folly. Even for such a small company like ours, it would be folly to think that way. So we instead said, no, we're doubling down and we're definitely investing even in this really difficult time to build new products because if we don't, then the chances of our long-term survival uh, dissipates. Mm, Great approach, you know, doubling down and and backing your investment. Interestingly, um, I don't know if you've noticed this from the conversations you've had with product folk in the market, it does seem to... feel a little bit like product has been impacted a bit more than perhaps other departments and and areas such as development. You know, I've spoken to a lot of product managers and and product folk that have unfortunately, you know, been made redundant or, um, yeah, lost their roles during COVID, perhaps more than than other areas. Have Have you seen that trend? I have seen the fact that, yes, product managers have lost their jobs and I'm certainly not of the opinion that that's a good Mm. path to go down but then I look at the other and I know developers haven't been affected as much mm-hmm. but other departments like marketing and sales have been affected mm. so you know and I think it's initial reactions that people do become nervous and they want mm. to keep as much cash in their business as possible for as long as possible so they will take, you know, sometimes silly steps to um, manage their fears potentially um, uh, and, and their cash flow and will we'll start to cut um, costs which they don't think add to the growth of their business, which, you know, I think that's a bit sad when it comes to product people because mm. I think they're the very engine of your business. The, the growth engine, you know, so yeah. to speak. And I guess, you know, Australia has enjoyed an economic bubble for, for years now. Um, and, and that's well and truly burst. I think it's safe to, to say locally and, and globally with, with COVID. What, what do you think the product landscape looks like when we come out of this on, on the other side? I think when, well, I, I, I'm not sure whether we'll come out of it on the other side. I think, you know, we'll trade, we'll, we'll, we'll live through it and it'll be a very, there'll be no side. It'll just be a, how do I describe it? It'll be a, potentially a different way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I'm seeing right now is that 
there are a lot of demands for more technical skills in product people. Mm-hmm. So um, people are looking for product managers with experience in platform development, um, customer relationship management databases, um, artificial intelligence, mobile. So there could be a trend to having more more tech folk join the product ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, and I do a lot of work in the travel industry and, of course, the travel industry has been somewhat decimated yeah. um, globally. Um, and what I see there is that there are still product folk in places like Flight Centre. Um, so, you know, they, they're still sticking by mm-hmm. a department that helps them you know, consider, innovate, develop new products. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that um, that I've noticed with product companies is the, I guess, the proliferation of the, the CPO role in, in business and having that C-suite um, position as, you know, companies are increasingly looking at the technical, experimental and the commercial aspects. And I guess the CPO role is increasingly, um, you know, uniquely suited to, to that position do you see that changing and, and continuing in that direction that there will be more demand for for cpo and, and the voice at the table at that c level absolutely i don't see that as um diminishing whatsoever in fact i see a lot more of it and i see what i what i enjoy watching is that you have these wonderful startups that do once the founder has um established herself or himself um, and has, you know, is trading and making sales. I'm trying to avoid the word product market fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, that they are bringing on board um, product, chief product officers, giving them a voice at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they grow, um, and you can see that in the safety cultures uh, yeah. of the world, um, you know, there's a, there's a chief product person at the seat Um, and then what happens is that people look to these organizations and try and model their behavior and model their structure and um, so if you see that product person there then hopefully that that message trickles down absolutely absolutely and I think um, I'm actually talking to Brian from safety culture um, shortly and I think you know as more organizations look to similar organisations like Safety Culture and the Atlassians and the Canvas, they, you're spot on when they do try to, to replicate that and see the value of having that dedicated person there and, again, elevating the maturity of, of product, not just within their company but sort of the wider community as well. Yeah, and I think that that should speak volumes to all of these chief product people out there, that they're not only leading their business um, you know, in in troubling times, good and troubling times, but they're also a model for the rest of um, the product community. Mm-hmm. They're also a model for other businesses because what happens is people do want to, um, you know, want some of the ingredients for success. And if an organisation can show and a product person can show that they are indeed very much part of that success factor, well, then you're going to get other organisations going, yeah, I want some of that too. I want to be able to, um, I want some of that growth. 
I want some of that success. And how did they do it? Well, they did it with a, you know, a product, a great product team, a great product leader leading the charge. Absolutely. What can, um, and that's a lot of responsibility for, for people in those roles at the moment. And, um, and I guess, you know, a lot of companies are looking to them for inspiration. What can CPOs and I guess product leaders be doing to, I, I guess, in, increase the maturity of product across the community? Well, um, we have, you know, I love a good model, so I made one up. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> It's called the uh, Product Adaptive Leadership Model, PALM. Okay. And it has seven key practices. And the foundation of this model is all around self-awareness, who you are as a leader, what kind of leadership you bring to your team, and you have to be mindful of that. And um, building up from that, um, you know, product leader has to, um, develop strategy and plans because that guides the rest of the organization. And I've been in so many businesses where people say, oh, we don't have a strategy. We don't really have a plan. Um, and perhaps they do, perhaps they don't. But whatever it is, it needs to be, if there is one, it has to be clearly articulated, circulated, reminded. People need to be reminded of it all the time. Mm-hmm. And the second practice is around resourcing and staffing. Product leaders cannot build products without great product people. Mm-hmm. Um, we cannot leave that to others to do. We have to be at the forefront of um, developing our job descriptions, really understanding the kind of person we want or the types of skills we need in that role, both human, uh, both technical skills and adaptive skills, technical skills meaning product skills mm-hmm. and adaptive skills. And then um, the, uh, the other third practice is around empowering and enabling your team. Mm-hmm. So you need to put the right structure in place. You need to put the right practices in place to make sure that your th- team s- s- thrives. Um, you need to be a coach. You can't just walk away. You can't bring a, a group of people together and hope for the best. You can't keep your fingers crossed. You've got to be active in that coaching. You've got to create that learning environment. You've got to provide feedback. You've got to have the hard conversations. Um, And then the fourth practice is around market sensing, that you can't ever take your eyes off the market. You have to be immersed in it. You just don't dip in and out whenever you feel like it because you can't make decisions. We make decisions, you know, so many decisions in a day that if we don't have this bank of knowledge that we carry around to help fuel the decisions, to help make the right decisions, then, then we're not in the right position to make the right decisions, right? So we need to arm ourselves with lots of information. We can't just, you know, learn about our market and our customers whenever we feel we need to, whenever we have a piece of work to do, whenever we have a product to make, we have to do it all the time we're completely we have to be immersed in the in the market all the time Um, and then I think the fifth practice is something that we call communicating product impact you have to understand how your product is performing you know that includes analytics and financial um, performance and you should be able to communicate that information broadly across your leadership team and to your team and then the fifth one is around product culture now if you don't build product culture then everything else your team just cannot 
get the work that they need to get done. Fantastic. That's a, that's a great model. And, and the, you know, from a, and my business side of things, Middleton Executive, a lot of senior product managers talk to me about wanting to move into, into leadership and, and taking that next step in their career. And, you know, locally there, there isn't a lot of opportunity for that professional development. Is that a course that, that BrainMates runs? Is there something that you're talking to that is part of um, your, your training program? Yep. Um, it's a new pranaying pr- program that um, we're, uh, we have created. It's, it's, it'll be run in August face-to-face, keeping fingers crossed. <laughs> hopefully um and it is you know this model we we wanted to take a step back and we knew that we didn't have all the the leadership knowledge and skills and techniques so we partnered with um, a leadership consultant and coach to create this this concept this palm model Um, and so you know I liken it the other day I was up at three in the morning because this is what you do I like (laughs) you know I was trying to come up with some analogy and I had these in my head I had these two jars you know one had oil that was technical product skills and the other one had water and that would be adaptive human skills and I said to Terry um, my partner in this I said we've got to pour these two kind of bodies of work together and we have to shake it up, right, because that's what we're creating. We're creating something really unique here yes. that is not just product and it's not just leadership. It's, you know, a mix of those two bodies of work. So that's what we've created. Oh, fantastic. And I will include links to the website and the, um, the, the training available in our show notes so that, um, yeah, the people can easily access that as well. So looking at the 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 future of, of product management locally. What do you think product managers should be doing right now to, to stay relevant? I think and this is, you know, part of, I don't know, part of who I am. Um, I built a whole business around it. To stay relevant, you need to always be learning. Mm-hmm. I know it, it doesn't have to happen in a class. Um, you learn all the time um, through you know, lots of reading. You, I think firstly, you need to be really interested in this, in, um, you know, in the topic of product. I don't think it's something that you can dip in and dip out. I mean, if, you're a jo- if you're a product manager and you really don't know um, what's written about it, you don't mm-hmm. know what the latest kind of thinking is, then I don't know whether you're, you know, very passionate about your craft I mean, you know, where I read every day looking at, you know, old, I mean, I was reading an article about product lifecycle in the Harvard Business Review this morning, and it was a 1969 article. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And so, you know, I love all of these old models because I think they're so useful. Um, So, you know, I read about that um, and the people around me um, in in the business all read and communicate and talk about it all the time. Um, You know, there's podcast there's um there's medium blog youtube you name it there's so many resources out there for you to kind of be um, engaged in but mm-hmm. more importantly as well i think it's whilst it's good to consume it's also really important to uh, communicate that back whether you share that with your uh your other product mates in the mm-hmm. business or in the community it's really important for you to kind of talk about it because when you start to talk about the concepts you start it starts to kind of cement and gel in your head 
Absolutely. You know, I interview hundreds of product managers and um, when I'm talking to them, you know, one of the first questions I ask is, what have you done in the last 12 months, you know, with your own professional development? And, and it still surprises me how little people do. And when I talk about, you know, the, the future of the, the, their space and what, what forces are going to shape the future of product management, you know, not a lot of people actually take that time to invest in, in themselves um, regularly. And I think um, it does come back to that, that passion and, and commitment to your, to your craft. Is it, is it your passion or is it just a, a job? I guess it comes down to that sometimes. Well, and it's more than that, right, as well. It's also your career. Um, I, you know, like I said, we're investing in product development at the moment. So we are, we've done an enormous number of interviews um, over the last three months mm-hmm. of product people to try and understand, you know, how they go about their jobs and what problems they might be experiencing. And something that concerns me is that people leave their careers, their management of their careers, up to the organisation that they work for. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that their career is their career and nobody is in charge of that except you and you've got to take responsibility for that. You mm-hmm. cannot pass that on to somebody else. Baffles me that people don't think that way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've noticed that as well. And, you know, I regularly get asked by by product folk, oh, you know, what's in demand at the moment? Are there any skills? And especially during COVID when people have been made redundant, they've looked to upskill more than, than ever. And, and people are looking at those um, technical skills. Should they le- learn data or should they learn coding? And, and, um, and interestingly, I had a conversation earlier in the week around some of those softer skills and the ability to storytell and sales enablement. And somebody said to me that all product managers should be the strongest salesperson in the business. And I, and I just thought, I've never thought of it from that, that angle, but really being able to convey the story, the why, and, and the message is, is ultimately a product manager's role, I'd imagine. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's our role to understand the customer. So if we understand the customer and we understand their problem, and it's very easy for us to be super passionate about how our solution solves that problem, that mm-hmm. makes that, that conversation is an absolute like sales winner, really. Absolutely. And what about product leaders? You know, what should they be focusing on at the moment? If they've got a team, they need to focus on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's a lot of, it's it's been a very tricky period. And I think it's at a point where people are probably getting very mentally exhausted, um, trying to, you know, there's some people that will love working remotely, but you know, my preference, uh, you know, especially when you're building product in an agile environment is to be with your team because that's, that's where the gold is. That's where the, you know, that's where the richness comes from. Um, and so I think product leaders need to consider um, mental fatigue, exhaustion of their team members and trying to figure out how to manage that cadence of work because mm-hmm. it is relentless, right, managing um, constant um, deployment, delivery, um, constant development. That's, that's hard work. Absolutely. It is. And 
with people still working remote and, you know, there's certainly a lot of fatigue around um, what is happening globally and, and locally and, and even, you know, being remote, not able to have that interaction with, with your peers and, and your colleagues. But yet there's a lot of um, Zoom or, or other platform kind of fatigue, I think, um, as a way of connecting. How do you think leaders can ensure that their people aren't burning out or, you know, yeah, just potentially getting that, that crash? Um, well, I think sometimes you just need to switch off and they need to give permission yeah. to um, their team to switch off as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's times when we're all, that I felt it this week actually. I was like, right, Wednesday, I can't, I can't look at my computer screen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Five o'clock, I'm, I'm out of there. I'm out of my dining room, into my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's that, I think people are looking for signals. Yeah. Um, permission almost and I think it is that permission people look to their leaders for permission and sometimes I personally forget that that people look to me for permission for guidance for direction Mm. Um, and so if if leaders can uh, remind themselves that they're there to give you know guidance direction permission that to give when it's exhausting to give time out to their their teams to kind of recharge yeah that's great advice. I uh, I actually felt like that uh, last week where you're just looking at the screen and you're not making any progress. And, you know, it was only four o'clock. I was like, you know what, just shut it down, mm. go for a walk. You'll be better tomorrow instead of just trying to push through, push through, which I think you're right. If everyone else is online or your Slack is still going, it's sometimes a bit challenging and, and yeah, get leaders giving permission is, is great advice. So Adrian, if you had a crystal ball and you're looking at the next sort of two to three years time, what do you think um, product management is going to look like? I think it would be truly embedded in organisations. And do you think that there will be, um, I guess, more maturity around a product? Um, one thing that I've noticed recruiting for multiple different product companies is that there isn't a lot of consistency of what product is from company to company and, and the role. And there's still a lot of ambiguity between job titles. Do you think over the next sort of, yeah, three to four years that that, that will become clearer and there will be more consistency? Yes, Absolutely. How's Fantastic. that? Music to my uh, ears. <laughs> absolutely. I think so. Look, you know, it's like anything, um, even though product management has been around for a while, mm. the, you know, the version that it was in 1930 to the version that it is now in 2020 is vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, you know, we could say it's a new flavour and the, new, the newness of it really is people, you know, experimenting from a, trying it out, trying to figure out how to make product work in their business, trying to augment it into existing, you know, um, structure, processes, Mm. practices and cultures. And I think you'll start to see that companies, once they experiment and try it out, they'll start to get better at it. Um, You know, like everything else, you know, practice makes perfect. So they'll get better at it and will become better as a profession um, in terms of standardizing job descriptions, in terms of assessing, you know, uh, a, a good product manager from a poor product manager, um, in terms of, you know, talking about transferable skills, I think that there will be businesses that come up and will offer those kinds of, uh, I guess, standards, certifications to professionalize, you know, this 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 burgeoning this very important role in a business 
Absolutely. And it, um, I love your positivity in that going forward, it looks like product management is be- going to become even more important within organizations, um, which is great to hear. One thing that I'm curious um, about is you know, a lot of companies talk about being a customer first organization and, and some do it better than, than others. But with COVID and I guess everything that's happened this year, consumer behaviors are changing. Therefore, our expectations are changing. Our buying behaviors are changing. What do you think is going to give companies the competitive edge if being customer first isn't a differentiator anymore? It's implementing. um, It's actually how well they solve those customer problems. Mm. Um, You know, but I, I have to say when people talk about customer first and really understanding customers. Yeah. I actually don't see a lot of evidence of people actually spending proper time doing customer research mm-hmm. and really understanding those customer problems before developing solutions. There's mm-hmm. a lot of um there's pockets of good activity. There's you know clearly pockets of great product being done. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we need to do is to make sure that the product people are out there with their teams, they take folks mm-hmm. doing a lot of that customer discovery and implementing what they see as opposed to, because I hear this often as well, um, a UX researcher doing a little bit of work, um, giving some of that information to a product team and then, you know, it's it's second or third-hand data um, and when you don't experience it firsthand, it's very hard to make meaning from it. Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard to misinterpret it and and do something different. So if you so that whole customer first, it's almost like rhetoric, and yes. you need to really embed it in your organization, really learn from it and use it, not put it in a deck, not stick yes. it in a on a confluence page somewhere. Really and um, really use the information to make good judgment and decisions and to really you know implement what you've discovered yeah interesting you 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 mentioned that because it does surprise me when I'm talking to to product managers how many have had little to no contact with their customer and it is all dependent on a different part of the business or even sales or resellers for that matter. Um, and, and sometimes if your product is sold by a reseller, then they actually have no contact with their customers. And, and yeah, I wonder what that would look like going forward as well. Well, I advise everybody that irrespective of where you are in the value chain, that you need to go and find out, find the end consumer and you need to really understand how your product's being used in that kind of end consumer perspective or even mm-hmm. up further up the chain, right? If it goes through, you know, um, I don't know, I'm thinking about insurance, for example, or financial products and they go through agents. Um, you, you, also, you know, the agents is a customer as well, so you need to really understand, you know, their problems and what, how they might go about using your product. So you've got to understand every player in that um, in that chain and you've got to understand their problems to make good decisions. And very often I see people say they go and speak to customers, but it's actually not true research. It's actually just, you know, an account management visit. I had a chat and they said they liked this or they didn't like that or they wanted more of this or wanted more of that. Now that that really isn't a good customer conversation. I think people need to learn how to have ask those 
really impactful, meaningful questions of customers. And what would be what would be a couple of examples that would be those high impact questions to, to ask your customers? Because I think a lot of people, regardless of whatever industry you're in, I know even from a recruitment perspective, you ask people at the end, how was the process? But you're really just asking superficial questions to, like you said, it's a bit of the account management side. What's uh, some of those high impact questions? I mean, I always like to start really broad, like what keeps you up at night? Like what's concerning you at the moment? Um, what can't you do? Um, what's preventing you from doing X, Y, and Z? How do you feel about, you know, this working or that not working? Mm-hmm. You know, what problems have you had using X, Y, and Z? So those are the kind of why questions, I guess. Yeah. So look, Adrian, you've had such a deep career in in product across, um, you know, lots of different industries and, and sectors. What would be your greatest professional achievement to date? Gosh, I think <laughs> I know, right? I mean, look, I've had 16 years of being in Braymates and I think my greatest um, achievement and satisfaction is probably my team, not probably, my team, um, you know, I, I'm a, uh, I, I thrive on being around good people. Um, and so when I'm in their company, I feel very settled, very happy, elated that mm-hmm. I'm part of something bigger. Um, and so I would say development of the team. And I'm really proud of the fact that we've managed to stay together yeah. in this really tricky time. Um, you know, we had a major impact on our business on the 16th of March, Mm -hmm. Um, very scary, but we've navigated all of that together to um, come out of this, you know, fairly healthy um, and and smiling. So I'm really proud that we've had the ability to kind of do that, that we had the foresight to plan to save, to, you know, keep enough money in the bank to (laughs) to, to make sure... Have a buffer, have a buffer. Uh, but no, I, 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 you know, I when I look across the team, I can, I'm, I'm absolutely privileged to be in their company. That's amazing. And what I like to ask is, you know, what's the the biggest challenge that that you've had to overcome in your career? Would you say it's it's COVID to date, or has there been anything scarier? Um, look, the COVID is was was um, certainly a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be scary? I don't know. I think I've, you know, at Braymates this 16 years in, 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 in a part of I know, selling a product that nobody really wanted for the first 10 years of, yeah. our, of our business journey. So my first failure occurred in 2013, 2014, where I had to shut down our, our business and um, actually start well, most of my team. I had a pretty big team then too. Um, and they were made redundant and I had to go back home and um, essentially run the business from my, my dining room. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I've been look, there. <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, I'm still back there now um, yeah. for different reasons though. Uh, you know, we I started off doing uh, product management consultancy um, and it was a hard long sell every time we, we sold. Um, but it was the, probably the bit, like if I reflect back, that had to be the best thing that happened to us. Because it was, you know, it made us rethink how we go to market. So previously, we'd just go and try and sell big consulting jobs, and consulting requires a lot of the um, sales lead times are long, mm-hmm. um, and so you're funding a team and waiting for the next gig. So that's a very expensive kind of proposition to keep alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
in my one year at home in my dining room, I'm like, well, how do I solve this problem? And if I thought about, you know, I guess the products that we had, and we were selling training then at that stage as well, I thought, well, you know, training is a $3,000 proposition instead of a $300,000 proposition. So let's start with trying to sell training. So we reef, I guess, we turn the ship around, mm-hmm. we position ourselves as a training company, um, and we sold training seats, which is a much easier proposition for people to grasp. There's a budget there for product training. There wasn't a budget for product consulting. Um, and so, uh, and that's how we kind of turned our business around. And believe it or not, that was probably the best path to selling consulting yeah. because people, you know, got a taste of who, you know, a flavor of brain mates understood our thinking because they come to training, they get to see our framework, they're, um, they like it, um, they want to implement it, and that's where um, our consultants come in and we go into organisations to build product capability um, off the back of our training. So it's kind of ironic, really, because we tried to sell consulting. It didn't work. We sold training to sell consulting. Yeah. It makes sense when you when you put it that way. You think, oh, yeah, that, 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 that's a good strategy. And I guess it's, um, you know, comes down to having that resilience and uh tenacity to to keep going when when you get knocked down and uh, you guys definitely have to where you are now you know you have the training you have the consulting and um and leading the product which is the biggest if not one of the biggest um conferences in australia for, for product management it is. It's the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. we're lucky look um i have to say to the product community thank you for their support um yeah. You know, before COVID hit, we opened ticket sales for our face-to-face conference mm-hmm. and we had sold about 200 tickets already. I think in a week or so, like it was a it was a fast, like we opened ticket sales and people were just buying. They were going out of, you know, off the shelves. It was so exciting. Um, and then COVID hit I was one of those people. I remember I had my alarm on that morning because I did it. I missed the early bird ones last year. So I put it in my my phone and the alarm went off. I was like, ah, oh, laptop on, tickets on sale, get the lead in the product tickets. Oh, thank so, you. So many people I spoke to said that they had got them on that day as well. So it is now a thing that people wait for the release. It's like, right, we've got to get these hot tickets before they go. <laughs> yes. And so, but what's great was that, um, so we now we have a digital event. So where most of those people, but you know, eighty percent are staying with us for the digital event, and that I think is amazing. You know, it's amazing that yeah. I thank them. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to to the digital event, and I will also include the link to to leading the product in the show notes as well. So easy access for everybody. So look, before I let you go, you've shared some amazing thoughts with us on the future of product but it sounds like to to recap that you know you're really confident that product management is here to stay it's the growth engines of businesses and businesses need to continue to to invest in in product to i guess stay competitive and and to actually stay alive in in the in the market going forward absolutely imagine that imagine if you took away your product people um in a business well then you won't be making product and other people will be making product. If you're not making product, your product withers. And who wants to buy a withered product? No one. <laughs> exactly. So you need product people. Absolutely. How can we stay connected with you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. 
on, uh, I don't have a Twitter handle, but you can find me at at BrainMates on Twitter. Yep. Perfect. And um, lastly, what would be one piece of advice that you have for aspiring product folk? People who are not in product, if you have this deep desire to be in product, do something to get yourself there before getting that job. So things like it's easy to start a business these days. It's easy to make a product these days. So demonstrate that capability before you get the job. Perfect. I think, um, yeah, open up a Amazon account, a Shopify account, build a website, anything like that to get that experience will definitely help. What, um, what would you say for product managers already, you know, in the industry, what, what would be your one piece of advice for them? Keep your skills up, yep. learn, read lots, and also keep your networking up. Um, it's, you know, you might be traveling quite nicely at the moment and you enjoy your job, um, but there's nothing worse when you don't have a team of people to rally behind you when you need a bit of love, Mm -hmm. the networking, the friendship, the sense of belonging, that's all really important. Don't only go and look for it when you need it, build it before you need it. Be there for somebody else as well, right? Not just for you, um, you know, not having other people there for you, but also be there be that nurturer, that support, that mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, go out, don't stay in. Uh, I, not not literally. Yes. <laughs> Let me take that back. <laughs> but but yeah. hang out with other product people. Go to a free meetup. Reach out to people. Build those connections. I, I love that, and I would say you know I'm I like to look for positives in in most situations, and I would say one of the positives that I've noticed through COVID and and everyone being on lockdown in Australia was just how many people reached out just to check in on each other. And even, you know, people that have been impacted and lost their jobs, you know, people saying, if you've lost your job on LinkedIn, you know, talk to me if I can help you people with their referrals and really leveraging that community, especially in product in Australia, I really saw it come together, which was fantastic. Yes. I've seen it too and it's really lovely. And it's nice to, you know, jump on a meetup and see your mates on the meetup. doesn't feel like work. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, Adrian, you've been fantastic to talk to. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.